0: Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash days. It is lit at Ernesse Farms. What do I mean? Well, they grow plants in their lighted facilities of LED lights combining vertical farming and hydroponics together. It's generally still new and Ernestee Farms in Ripon, Wisconsin will be one of the largest facilities in the state for growing plants indoors. I am here with Brian Ernst, the owner, hearing his thoughts of how he has grown the business. So Brian, talk about your background and reason why behind Ernestee Farms.
1: Yeah. So uh, I started the company in 2014. I was working as a geologist at the time. Hydroponic farming has always been something I've been really curious and interested about. And so uh, I started experimenting in my basement with uh, a lot of different nutrient recipes and light recipes. And, you know, everyone always hears hydroponics in your basement and they automatically go to we're growing cannabis or something. And so I I promise we started with lettuce and, you know, moved to basil and everything. Um, But uh, I got the idea and really passion for the vertical farming and growing in an urban center from my time in the military. Uh, We were deployed to a lot of impoverished areas around the world. And you really saw how hard of a time people had getting access to food, especially close to urban centers. And so that really kind of got me thinking we should be able to do a lot better at providing food for people where, you know, we're not transporting it cross country or anything we should be able to just use existing urban spaces to uh, produce food in and so after a while working as a geologist you got sick of working for a fortune 500 company and so my wife convinced me to quit and start the business and here we are you know seven years later and it's been a ride
0: now Brian to our listeners who may not be as familiar what is hydroponics and vertical farming
1: so uh, hydroponic growing means we don't use any uh, soil or our growing media. Every The plant's roots are suspended in a media, uh, inert media, so it has no nutritional value or anything like that, uh, or they're suspended in a nutrient solution. Uh, and so the nutrient solution that we uh, use is my uh, custom formulation where we can adjust the varying levels of nitrates and phosphates and calcium levels versus trace nutrients. Um, and so actually then we can help change the way certain plants taste. So I know a lot of people have a problem with kale because they think it's kind of bitter. And so by adjusting some of our nutrient formulas and uh, adjusting some of the wavelengths of light, we can make kale taste sweeter. Uh, And we can do that with uh, other crops as well. We can increase the uh, essential oil content in our basil by changing the wavelengths of the light. And so that's something we've kind of experimented with, with the hydroponic growing. And so vertical farming is where, you know, just like Uh, greenhouse growing where you have one level but with vertical farming we stack all those growing levels on top of each other so it makes a really good use of space so with our system that we have here in one four by eight foot area we can grow 504 plants but then if we stack seven levels up it's a very good use of very good
0: use of space. Again I am here with Ryan Ernst with Ernesse Farms they're innovatively growing plants indoors so is the demand growing for your products or what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, the uh, there is definitely not a shortage of demand for fresh local product, and so one of uh, one of our big selling points is that because we grow indoors and we can control all the weather and everything, we you know we're able to produce and grow twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year, and so we guarantee our delivery next day. So we harvest on Monday and Thursday, and then we deliver to all of our grocery store customers on Tuesday and Friday. So it lasts longer on the shelves. customers love it and so you know when you can guarantee for a a customer that you're getting this product next day there's definitely not a shortage of demand and so our current location now we're in just under 6,000 square feet with only nine foot ceiling Uh, and so at our new location we're going to 16 foot ceiling and 21,000 square feet and so we're really gonna be able to pump up the demand we're gonna bring on more delivery drivers and bring on more products
0: Now with their expansion, they are looking into growing more plants and varieties.
1: Our main product lines are herbs, since we grow all the main culinary herbs. So basil, chives, cilantro, dill, mint, sage, thyme, oregano, parsley. Um, With this uh, new expansion, we'll be rolling out some tarragon, chervil, some other herbs. Uh, We also do microgreens. We have five different types of microgreen mixes, so arugula, broccoli. Uh, a really nice greens mix, so it's got some red and green cabbage, as well as some carrot and amaranth, and then we do a kale mix, an arugula, or I'm sorry, a uh, radish mix, sunflower shoots, and then we also do two different types of mushrooms, and so we do shiitake mushrooms and oyster mushrooms. We grow all of our mushrooms in spent uh, sawdust that we get from a mill in Northern Wisconsin. Uh, our oyster mushrooms actually currently we're growing in spent coffee grounds that we collect from local restaurants and gas stations. And so makes a good use of resources that, you know, stuff that's not going into a landfill.
0: That is so cool. So talk about some techniques and the reason why behind what you are doing at Ernesse Farms.
1: One of the uh, big things that um, helps vertical farming and urban agriculture work is what we call biomimicry. And so we're trying to trick the plants into thinking it's different times of the year to make them do different things. And that's not, you know, tricking them in their genetics or anything, but we're just trying to change the different inputs that they receive. So um, the lights that we're growing with are my design. I have a, a manufacturer in China who makes them for us. And so what we do is we're giving the plants the exact wavelengths of light uh, that they need for photosynthesis, we don't add any green or any of the other wavelengths that are just wasted. Um, but the ratio of the red to blue that we give them is the exact same ratio of red to blue that the sun puts out during summertime. And so, plants genetically, uh, you know, receive that ratio of red to blue and think springtime. I need to grow as big of a canopy as I possibly can, so that way, in the middle of summer when the sun's overhead, I can collect as much sunlight as possible. Well, we use that. Ratio to our advantage to get shorter distance between the plant nodes, bigger uh, leaf mass, and bigger biomass, so that way we have better product to sell. You know, when customers go to the grocery store, uh, you know, and they're buying basil, they don't want to buy stem, they want to buy basil. And so by using this wavelength, we can cut down on the amount of stem customers get, they get bigger amount of leaves. Um, Now, for mushrooms, it's the complete opposite. Uh, Our biomimicry is we're always trying to trick them into thinking it's fall. And so, what we'll do, uh, you know, in the fall, it gets cold, it gets rainy. Um, mushrooms a lot of time will grow on dead trees or something. And so we physically take our bags that we're growing the mushrooms into, and we physically slap them to make, <laughs> make them think that the tree is falling down in the woods. And it sounds insane, but we have actually ran growth trials where we have had, uh, blocks that we have not slapped and blocks that we have slapped and you definitely get bigger yields out of blocks that you slap, <laughs> uh, we'll chill them in uh, our, our cooler overnight. Uh, and then the next day we'll pull them out we'll douse them with really cold water and then we'll put them into our uh, fruiting chambers where we monitor you know the levels of co2 humidity light levels and within a week they start producing mushrooms and so you know we have one side of the farm that's constantly trying to make them think it's fall and one side of the farm we're always trying to make them think it's spring
0: so obviously that takes a lot of research and trials so is there any research that you're doing right now
1: yeah, so we're we're experimenting with uh, with fluctuating levels of carbon dioxide to see if that will um, uh, increase the yields for oyster mushrooms. And we're all, always looking at uh, running different trials with uh, varying levels of nutrients to see what we can do um, to uh, you know increase the the biomass for the plants. You know, some plants like sage and rosemary actually like to be stressed uh, with low watering levels before they get they get water. And so it's finding that. <laughs> that amount of stress you without killing them and you know I mean generally during the trials we kill a lot of plants and you know it's just that's the only way you're gonna figure out what works and what doesn't
0: so now you mentioned your growing process what does your processing look like
1: yeah, so uh, we harvest everything on site, and it gets wheeled right through a door into our, our processing room where um, we break the plants down into smaller pieces, get rid of any uh, leaves with you know slight discoloration or something like that. Uh, and then they go right across the room to our packagers, and everything is packed right here in-house, and so it goes right into the cooler. And so from the time that we harvest the plant to the time it's in the package and in the fridge is less than an hour, and then from the time it goes from the fridge to the customer is less it's always less than 24 but most of the time it's about 12 hours
0: he also says some challenges they are facing and solutions that they have came up with
1: we uh, design and build a lot of our own um, custom printed parts and automation equipment you know one of the drawbacks to vertical farming is that there is no tractor right there's no combine no big you know seating uh, machines and so we really have to work on um, making ourselves more efficient and you know so right now everything in vertical farming community is a big arms race you know we all have the same problem that we're trying to solve but you know we don't want to give up that competitive advantage and so um, a lot of times with a lot of our plumbing uh, or automation equipment the parts just don't exist yet and so um, you know i taught myself uh, cad and uh, bought myself some 3d printers and you know we make a lot of our own custom uh, parts Um, one of the, the first things that we made were uh, venturi valves that we can fit into our overflow plumbing. And what that does is as the water flows through the pipe, it actually pulls air uh, from the atmosphere into the nutrient solution. And so it actually oxygenates uh, our nutrient solution for us just by using gravity. And so we were able to eliminate all of our air pumps and stuff like that and still maintaining high levels of dissolved oxygen. Um, I'm in the process right now of building some other automation equipment. We're calling uh, this uh, piece of automation equipment, we're calling it MRF, which is the modern urban robotic farmer. And so that we'll be utilizing at our new location um, where we can just basically give it coordinates uh, in the room to go to, to grab our trays of plants. And it will go and fetch those trays and bring it over to the harvesting area uh, for us. And so, um, you know, just trying to find different ways to make everything as efficient as possible.
0: Now, overall, what is the importance to your approach with farming indoors?
1: Yeah. So, you know, people want to know how their food was grown. They want to know that it's safe. They want to know, you know, most of the time they want to know that it's local. You know, you see something that's certified organic or something, but then you see, you know, product of Thailand on. And it's like, you know, really kind of makes you think like, is it though? You know, is it really safe? And so, you know, it's very important for us to be upfront with our customers, you know, that they know that. We don't use any herbicides or pesticides or gmo seeds and they know that we're here in wisconsin you know i'm from wisconsin i was raised in wisconsin we're here growing food in wisconsin for wisconsinites and you know it's really important that they know that you know their food is coming from a local farmer who you know my kids are playing in the same baseball league as their kids and you know they know that it's safe they know that it's healthy and they know in the middle of winter even when it's negative 30 degrees they're still going to have fresh local produce that was grown by, a, you know, a local kid from their town. And, um, you know, everyone having access to that healthy, fresh, safe food is very important.
0: That was Brian Ernst, the owner of Ernest Farms. He is coming up with innovative solutions in hydroponics and vertical farming and even has his own 3D printer. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Michelle Stangler.